Welcome, everybody, to The Patriot and The Preacher. I'm Mark Anthony, your Patriot. This is Pastor Todd Coconado, The Preacher. And so it's day five of the imaginary <laughs> office of the president-elect being formed. And what we're laughing, why? Because as we go throughout the show, we're going to reinforce with you why he's not the president-elect, Todd, is he? Yeah, no, this whole thing is a smoke and mirror campaign. It's the new Russian collusion. It's yes. the new Ukraine hoax. It's the same people that put it on. And it's exactly what they're calling it, the projected, because what they're doing is projecting, Mark. That's all it is. Yeah, but Todd, I <laughs> saw Biden yes. get up and give a press conference in an elaborate background. I think they even managed to copy the font from the White House. It says... <laughs> Right behind him, office of the president-elect. Yeah, well, I'm office of the president-elect to do. I should change my background, and uh, I can be president-elect Todd, too, because that's about the same legitimacy as Biden right now. So let's just dive into their lunacy just for a moment, because you you and I talk all the time, exchange posts, and watch each other. Now, just for a moment, remember, he's he has not reached 270. We've got, you know, right. Georgia is going through a recount. Arizona is still in question. Pennsylvania now, as we all know, um, the the court ruling now says anything after November 3rd, 8 wow, p.m. is time. not going to be counted. That Those are hundreds of thousands of votes. Hundreds um, of thousands. The president had a substantial lead there. It was, I think, somewhere around 800,000 votes that he was ahead in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's impossible that they would... Uh, you know, be, uh, you know, that, that many votes, they were able to catch up. No way. Well, as, as our friend Dinesh D'Souza said, he, um, it's like winning the lottery 10 times yeah, because exactly. all, you know, the ballot fairy showed up in Michigan and Wisconsin in the morning. And so, at yep. three in the morning, bam. <laughs> and guess here's the other part. Not only did they show up, but none of the votes that were quote found any of them went for president. Isn't Trump. that amazing? I mean, if I was uh, cheating yeah. on a test or something, I'd probably try to at least get a couple wrong. You know what I'm no, saying? No, exactly. Just to kind of give a, <laughs> yourself a cushion of legitimacy. Yeah, I mean, but they don't see. But they don't care anymore how it appears because they're that bad. So, yeah. as we're talking, there. You know, I'm trying my best not. To, sometimes I've spit out my coffee in the last week. So Biden has. He's upset, Todd, that he's not getting funding from the government, GSA, for his transition team. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's also upset that he thinks that Trump and the Senate may block his appointments to his imaginary cabinet that doesn't need to be appointed, Todd. Well, the, the crazy thing about this is, is that in one of the debates, Mark, they literally asked him this question, would you wait until everything is tabulated and certified? And he, you know, once again is lying because he said, yes, he would, and he's not. Well, I don't know if it's lying or if a good part of the uh, Democrat, the liberal establishment is just schizophrenic. <laughs> and maybe that's why we see those commercials on Fox for yes. the medication all the time, because you're right. He did say that he said that right at, you know, election night, the day after we're counting every vote and every vote, <clears throat> every vote. You, you notice that he's not saying that anymore. He's really upset about his yeah. cabinet yeah. Um, yeah. and his chief of staff who's really has a big job ahead of him. He has to manage the West wing of Joe Biden's basement. But anyways, we, <laughs> I'm sorry. We, shouldn't laugh. we got to pray this through. I mean, we do have to honest. pray this through, but at the yeah. same time, it's good to have some levity. That's anyways, right. we have some great guests joining us while we're talking about what's going on around uh, in this great nation. We have professor Steve Turley. That's going to join us to talk about, Really, he's going to lay a lot out, so we're not going to really be talking very much this show because I think <laughs> Steve ha is ready to go. He wants to talk to our audience. He's very articulate, and uh, so he's going to sit down with us and talk about the aftermath and look at the math of some of these states, and um, and this is real math, folks. This isn't common core math. That's what we're talking about, and then we have Danielle D'Souza. She's yeah. going to join us. She has a brand new book out called The Choice. The American divide in the debate about abortion now. And, and so if that name sounds familiar, that last name, it is Dinesh's daughter. So obviously the apple doesn't far fall far from the tree, does all. it? Brilliant no. young lady, articulate. She's Very much so. Future. You're going to enjoy this interview. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got two amazing guests. Keep the faith. We are going to keep praying this through. Todd, you're right. While we do, we while we do have to laugh and sort of look at the other side, this is a battle like no other. That's I right. think we're, we will definitely talk about this for the rest of our lives. 
2020 um, <clears throat> couldn't have capped off any better than this kind of election. Right, Todd? Oh, yeah. Well, you see the bags under my and Mark's eyes. We haven't been getting much sleep. <laughs> That's because, you know, Mark's got his coffee. I need a coffee. Uh, but, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not sleeping much. And the reason is because we are in such a battle. We're praying. We're fasting. Uh, you know, there's been repentance happening in the body of Christ. We're really speaking to what we need to do. But right. I believe we have the power and authority. We're going to talk about that more in the next segment, Mark. But I really Absolutely. believe that we do have the authority to, to we change We do have it. the power and authority. Yeah. And we do because this land, well... This land is here because God wants us to be here. God loves this nation. This this nation is one nation under God. We have to remember that. We're gonna th- we're gonna talk a little bit about the founders later on in the show. They did give us some examples because it doesn't matter what's going on. They always focused on God. Yeah. So we're gonna be right back. Talk a little bit more in depth about Dominion software <laughs> and all the other stuff that's going on. Stay with us. It's going to be a fun yeah. ride. We'll be right back. We're back with the Patriot and the Preacher. You know, Todd, what I thought would be helpful for our listeners is just go through some examples of what's going on across the country, because you and I both know that unless they're going and hunting for this or watching OAN or Newsmax, they're not hearing any of this at all. So you've got got some stories that you've talked about. You've been ahead of this. You've been ahead of most people, let's be honest, on what's been going on. But let's just start. Judicial Watch finds 1.8 million ghost voters in 29 (laughs) states. So that's (laughs) cause enough for concern. Todd, talk about some of the stuff that you've been following in all of these states. And, you know, maybe just dive into a little bit more on Dominion and how big this really is. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's a, it's a real big answer. And, you know, I mean, it would take a lot of time, but let me just try to give like a high level top line kind of this to people that don't hear about it. So uh, United States has been using a certain type of technology through software programs. It's called a hammer or scorecard. And what's basically happened is, you know, unfortunately what we've accused other nations like Russia, for instance, of doing, which other nations do do, uh, we've also um, interfered in elections. And so our CIA has interfered in elections and they've used this program to basically change your, you know, the outcome by a marginal amount, like 3%, you know, where the vote would switch. Right. What's right. happened now is a, a former general, uh, you know, very, very reputable man came out and said, guess what? They're going to use this against us in this election. And, uh, you know, that's where the conversation started coming out uh, with regard to scorecard and hammer. Then we found out about this Dominion software that's being used in these in these Dominion machines. And I guess Dominion is more or less the company. And they're using this technology in, I think, 24 to 27 states. And uh, what it is, is basically what would happen is they called it a glitch, Mark. I think it was in Michigan. They called it a glitch. And, and it ended up switching votes from uh, Trump to Biden. So pretty substantial, enough to actually flip that precinct. Can and I ask you something? Do you yeah. realize, I just want to point something out, that they do this all the time. They use word modifiers, right? Yeah. So instead of there's been a breach or we've got a problem, there's right. a code problem, it's a glitch. It's a glitch because right. a glitch sounds friendly and, and right. happy and, oh, just a little problem. But there, you know, President Trump came out and just blew this out of the water today where he said, listen, there's up to like almost a million votes. I, I mean, it was a very large amount. I'll get the exact amount here uh, that the president is saying. But he basically put it out there now that this is now 2.7 news. million Trump yes. votes nationwide. Yeah, and, and he says uh, 941,000 Trump votes deleted. So that's that's a pretty crazy – that would flip the election, Mark. And not only would it flip the election, it would make it a landslide for President Trump. And, and here's the thing that a lot of people aren't talking about, about this whole thing. And this is just so used. And I do want to answer the other question because, you know, there's the dead people that are voting, <laughs> which is ridiculous. There's the, uh, you know, there's the, the votes that are just for Biden, you know, and uh, no one else, which is very statistically unprobable. And then right. you have this Dominion situation. So just a so lot it's, of it's a multi-layer approach. You have yes. to give it to them. They they put a, it wasn't they didn't just put their eggs all in one basket. They spread them around. We got the absentees, the dead people, people out of state voting. We've got the software interfering. We also have interference at the precinct level and in many counting um, stations, like for instance in Michigan, right in Milwaukee uh, as well. And um, and then, of course, in Pennsylvania, because why, 
Todd, would they kick out observers or try to cover up the windows while they were counting? You know, that would kind of tell most people there's something going on. And I think that right now, which, you know, what I keep focusing in on, and you talked about this, that we do have to pray through this, but we also, you know, as, uh, as Steve is going to be talking about in just a minute, I think we also have to focus on the fact that we can never again depend on that media group to ever give out the truth again. Oh, yeah. No, they've lost credibility. People are jumping, you know, the Fox. I think there was this video. It's kind of funny. I put it up on Facebook where it's just their their numbers are just going down. Everybody's not yeah. liking it on Facebook and their their ratings have crashed. That's because, you know, Fox News, it was supposed to be our friend for the conservatives, yeah. you know. We yeah. all have been loyal to Fox for years. And here, you know, the biggest. I, it's almost like life. having that girl you've been married to. You thought she was the love of your life. Yeah. And she betrays you. We're betrayed. We're hurt. I'm We're very hurt. It's I'm very hurt by everybody at Fox, what they've done. Yeah. Very hurt. <laughs> yeah, we can't go back. I mean, it's it's, it's, like a, right. it's like an abusive relationship. Same thing with <laughs> it Facebook. Is, it, no, but it is. <laughs> it really is. It's like an abusive relationship. And now they're telling us why we're wrong to feel hurt. Nah. Right? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We, we, we've been abused and uh, I don't think it would be healthy for us to go back, Mark. So I really, I agree but with I, that. I, <laughs> no, it wouldn't be healthy for anybody in an individual level or in the national level. So we're going to be, we're going to, uh, we have Steve Turley coming up, Todd. Let's speak some truth into what's going on. And then Danielle D'Souza can be talking about her book. Everybody stay with us. Our first guest is coming up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Patriot and the Preacher. We have a guest joining us. He was with us two weeks ago, but so much has happened in the election. We thought it would be a great idea to have him on. Steve Turley, thanks for joining us again. Hey, Steve. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, so Steve... Ahead, one of the things that I thought would be really helpful is to have your expertise and what you've seen in past elections, scientific approach, math, real math. It, you know, just looking at, for instance, there's a lot, of, there's about five states in question right now. And obviously Pennsylvania, that recent ruling yeah. about the, uh, yeah. about the uh, ballots received after November 3rd is very helpful. But in Wisconsin, when you think about, Everybody's pointed to this state because of the turnout and the percentage of turnout that actually isn't even mathematically possible. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's precisely what seems to be the case there. It's 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 all over the place. The anomalies mm -hmm. are 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 utterly bizarre in this election. Um, uh, I mean, it just for example, the president or sorry, the candidate who won both. Florida and Ohio has won 26 of the last 27 elections since 1860. The one exception was 1960 when, uh, when uh, John F. Kennedy found lots of dead people voting for him in Chicago and in Dallas. Um, so the last time we had an election blatantly stolen was the one exception of when the winner, uh, in that case, it was Richard Nixon of Florida and Ohio ended up losing the general election. Otherwise, in a fair election, there's just no way around it. Uh, the, uh, it's a blowout if you win both those states. Another interesting uh, fun fact is we have about 10 bellwether counties. They're primarily in the Rust Belt states like Ashtabula County in Ohio and so on. We have 10 bellwether counties where if you win uh, these counties, you generally go on to win the uh, the general election. Trump won nine of wow. those 10 <laughs> bellwether counties. This is a bizarre. Biden was underperforming in every single municipality uh, when compared to 2016 levels, for the exception of Madison, Wisconsin, Detroit, uh, Michigan, Philly, Pennsylvania, and Atlanta, Georgia. So something very, hmm. very odd is going interesting. on. Interesting. Interesting that we have issues in all those areas, isn't it? Is that interesting? That's right. <laughs> Suddenly he was Superman in those areas. Well, isn't that good? Because again, it, it bucks the trend uh, on any national level. Right. 
There was a party at three in the morning. And uh, I, I, I'm just wondering who drops off the ballots at three in the morning? Like, is it the post office? Like, you know, there's just some logical questions, but uh, really want to get into Steve, a question that I think you can help us because you're getting so many viewers that just probably you're, you're probably having the same thing. So many people reaching out with questions. And, um, you know, one of the things that's come up is this dominion uh, program. The president just tweeted about it and his tweet is, is a, is a bombshell. I mean, it's, he's basically saying that almost a million votes have been stolen or flipped. Uh, because of this dominion. Can you kind of get into that? Because not a lot of mainstream people are talking about it. Yeah. So you have what's called the dominion voting systems. I believe it's a Canadian system. I don't even believe it's an American system, ironically. Um, and uh, it is a, a relatively new system where we have reports that it had irregularities back in 2018. It was not very well recommended, but for whatever reason, several states decided to use it. Texas was not one of them. Texas actually was considering it, and they said it was too unreliable. Nevertheless, in places like Michigan, I believe it's uh, 60% of their counties, 50 to mm -hmm. 60% of their counties used it. And with the voting irregularities that have already been demonstrably uh, put forward where you had in one county of Michigan 6,000 votes for Trump that mysteriously switched over and were recast for Biden and then went back the other way. And I believe we even had a congressman ended up winning as a result of that, right. a Republican congressman. Re remember, one of the great successes of this election is we're, when all said and done, we're going to have anywhere from 11 to 16 GOP pickups in the yeah. House. Yes. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is running more or less unopposed. And she, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House leader, said she doesn't have the votes uh, to retain her position as right. a House exactly. uh, as uh, yep. as uh, uh, chairman. Oh, I'm, uh, why am I forgetting? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. But um, so what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with a massive amount of uh, voting irregularities with a system that's going to require hand ballot recounting uh, in all the counties that the system is being used. And uh, if that's the case, once again, the, this election is not settled. It's not settled at so many different levels, even though the media is trying to push it that way. No, it's not settled at all. And <clears throat> now that we know what's happened in Pennsylvania, we see what going on in Georgia. We have a recount there. What do you think about the chances in Arizona right now, knowing what's going on and what's left to be counted? We'll have to see with Arizona. Trump doesn't need Arizona. Um, right. You know, as long as Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania uh, play themselves out in Georgia, I mean, he's fine. He's got North Carolina. That's not an issue. Got Alaska the other day. Um, so, um, We'll have to see with Arizona, because uh, a lot of people are making hay about the McCain crowd out there and uh, to what extent Trump may have hurt himself with the McCain crowd. I'm I'm really not sure on that. Um, we're going to have to take a look at that as it as it plays itself out. But again, I think it's going to be close enough to warrant if not a re-canvas, at least a recount. And we're just dealing, it's coming down to the wire of just a few thousand votes either way. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of different paths that they're talking about now how the president could win this. So one is, of course, the states could just end up working out in the recounts, and that would be the best scenario probably for us. Uh, the next one would be that would probably go to the Supreme Court and you know they could make some type of decision but some people are saying they might kick it out to the states and the states would then have to basically decide if there was fraudulent voting that took place and then you know maybe switch their electors based on that so steve can you kind of go into that a little bit yeah that's and that's trump's strategy as i understand it so it, obviously they want to see flips as a result of state legislatures getting involved so we're seeing that in pennsylvania we're seeing that in wisconsin where they're uh, requiring audits of the votes before they, the votes can be certified. They get certified by the uh, Secretary of State, so they're, they're individual states. And um, either way, whatever happens, it's going to go and get contested in the Supreme Court. If the states flip to Trump, then Biden's lawyers are going to kick in and bring it to, to the Supreme Court. Although I do think tr Trump is playing a bit of a pretty, it's, it's like watching a football game. They are running the clock out because yeah. at, at, in the late, the 11th hour, if they find enough voter fraud, 
and to throw out ballots that switch the states from blue to red, uh, Biden isn't going to have a lot of time to adjudicate that. So, and then they can certify their electors. The legislatures uh, certify electors. Right. And those state legislatures are Republican. They're all Republican. In many ways, I'm very angry about this because this should never have happened under Republican leadership in Wisconsin and didn't happen in, for example, uh, Iowa. It should not have ha ever have happened under the Republican leadership in Michigan uh, yeah. because it didn't happen in Ohio. It shouldn't right. have happened under the Republican leadership in Georgia because it didn't happen in Alabama or Florida or, or Texas. Look at how stellar Florida, Ohio, Texas were in getting all their results in. This is absolutely inexcusable regardless. Uh, but what's going to happen is if the states flip, they choose the electors, the state legislatures choose the electors, they'll be Republican electors and they'll obviously go for Trump. Regardless, it may end up getting adjudicated all the way to the Supreme Court, even if it flips or doesn't flip. And then if the Supreme Court doesn't invalidate um, a certain amount of votes so as to definitively flip a state, if they basically just say uh, the votes are invalidated because of all of uh, the fraud and the intermixing of ballots and the like, then it does. We do have provisions uh, for what to do next, and it goes to the House of Representatives. And there, what you have is you've got, you don't have the House of Representatives actually voting uh, for the president. What you actually have, you have delegates from each one of the states coming and voting for the president. I believe it's the delegates as of the following uh, election year. So as of, say, January of uh, 2021, whatever the makeup is for the state legislatures, that's who sends the delegates. And right now, as I understand it, it's 3119, 31 wow. Republican states to wow. 19 Democrat states. So Trump will win a, in a blowout uh, if it comes down to the House of Representatives. Would that not be amazing? Nancy Pelosi would have to oversee that. And I don't know. She might. Her teeth might finally just fall out of her mouth at that Quite point. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> so I know the Trump, as I'm understanding, the Trump team is. At, so the way, you know, um, the, the, the Trump team is thinking is this. The only way Trump, in effect, loses here is a, if he concedes, that's not going to happen. Or B, if the Supreme Court renders a decision that basically, you know, um, paralyzes uh, the Trump campaign. If they render a decision that paralyzes the Trump campaign, well, then it's probably it. Republicans fold and we and we move on and we look for 2022 and a big blowout in the midterms. But uh, until then, they think they can push us all the way to Supreme Court and if they have to into the House of Representatives and they are guaranteed wins, especially with a five vote conservative block in the Supreme Court. Clarence Thomas sitting yeah. there. Remember, his nomination was almost railroaded by Joe Biden back in, right. what was it, 91? You know, so it's it's going to be very interesting for sure. This this election is not over. Wow. No, and neither is the drama, right? Yeah. And so it, it, you just mentioned Clarence Thomas, but then again, Kamala Harris has to look at Kavanaugh as well, right? Oh um, my, yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of that's that's part of it as well. So, Steve, really, as you just laid it out, we were hoping you could do this. We knew you could. Really, what's happening with the posturing and pre the office of the president-elect, which doesn't really exist? and the imaginary cabinet that's being appointed and his imaginary chief of staff, this is all to distract everybody to try to validate something that really doesn't exist, right? It's Kabuki theater. So we're, yeah, yeah it's a very interesting time we're living in because we're, we're living in a time where, well, Dick Morris is calling it, uh, we're moving from a democracy to a mediocracy. So the mm. media is basically uh, running our society. And what I don't think they recognize, this is the, this is the, um, this is the whistling past the graveyard that they're engaged in right now. What they don't seem to realize is they threw everything they possibly could at Trump. 96% uh, negative coverage, according to the Media Research Center, from, uh, from our, the entirety of our mainstream media. Fox News even piled on an election night pushing a false narrative that yeah. the Republicans were being 
blown right. out by a blue. I don't know if you recall. Remember, yeah. you recall, it was just after nine o'clock. They predicted that the Democrats could hold the House and they were going to add five seats. An hour later, they called uh, Arizona. So they really pushed this narrative that Trump and the Republicans were getting wiped out. They have yet to apologize for that, by the way. You had the suppression polls where we told we're told that Trump was going to lose by 17 points in Wisconsin. Right. He was going to lose the the the, uh, the popular vote by 10. percent You had the NBA and the NFL getting all woke and pushing the BLM stuff. You had the medical industry, science industry professionals coming out, and Pfizer holding back the announcement of the vaccine until uh, the Monday after the election. You have the deep state, the FBI sitting on Hunter Biden's laptop. You have the biggest mail-in fraud in history, and yet <laughs> at least 73 million Americans said, you know, F you, basically. We're not, <laughs> we don't want anything to do with you. Right. And that's what the media isn't getting. If 73 million Americans didn't listen to them before the election, they could be guaranteed that number will get even higher of those not listening to them after the election. So yeah. all of this kabuki theater is going on. You just have to ignore it, push it out, and think it's really a show just for Biden supporters, just for the half of the country that voted for him. But for this massive number that could even be higher, given what Trump was saying with the Dominion voting systems, as he said, maybe yeah. he had 80 million people wow. voting for him for mm -hmm. all we know. If that's the case, and I do believe that numbers, remember that's seven, eight uh, million more from 2016. If we get the same kind of number for the next election, that's 80 million people voting for the conservative nationalist populist vision of life. So I think what you just got to do is you just got to ignore this stuff. And I think conservatives are, Victor Davis Hanson says, we're kind of in a monastery mind right now. Conservatives have just turned off the NFL They've turned off the NBA. They've turned off Fox News. Yes. They've turned off. They're turning it all. They're not going to movies anymore. They're the one. No, none of us are. But they're not. They're they're canceling their Netflix and their their you know pedophilia uh, nonsense with cuties and they're just done with the elite globalist yes. aristocracy who think they rule us and. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. If they, they think they're convincing upwards of 80 million people, they're going to be in for a very rude awakening. That's no, absolutely right. No, 100%. I mean, you could see the migration from Facebook to Parler. Uh, you can see everybody saying, you know, from Fox to Newsmax. Now people are going on MeWe. There's all these different, you know, it's like Got a it. whole new uh, you know, move that's happened because of this election. Because people are just fed up. We're tired of being censored. You know, I've been censored. I'm sure you've been censored. Every one of us has been censored. We're sick of it. We're sick of these thought police. You know, we're sick of these people telling us that something that's true is not true. You know, they're censoring our president. They're putting little tags on his tweets. We're done with this. So I think there's going to be like a like a counterculture movement here, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's it's very organic. And um, what's happening is that this is just hastening it. Uh, it's exasperating it. The, the organic move, we may have talked about this last time we chatted, but yeah. we're moving from what's called a mass society into a network society. And mass societies were, you know, your 19th century, 20th century conglomerates where we're all moving into urbanized environments. So if I wanted to get into movies, I'd have to move out to Hollywood. If I wanted to get into finance, I'd have to move out to Wall Street. And if I wanted to get into country music, I'd have to move out to Nashville. But in a network society, we're all connected by the internet. So if I want to do, if I want to get into country music, all I need is a guitar and a hundred dollar webcam and YouTube. And I'm good to go. I'm, I could reach more people around the world than I could have ever have done under the old mass society marketing model. So what's happening is media now is flattening out and it's becoming decentralized. And so what we're seeing is that with the One America Network, we're seeing with, with Newsmax, we're seeing with what you guys are doing, what I'm doing. We are independent content creators are popping up everywhere yeah, and right. more people are starting to watch them yes. than are watching the mainstream media that's the old you know mass society conglomerate urbanized rockefeller center buildings <laughs> uh that's the old model the new model is to be able to spread out your media wherever you want anywhere you want and be access it and what's even better is that when we access the new media we get to actually participate 
in the news. We get to comment. That talk radio was really the revolution in the late 80s with Rush, uh, where we actually got to participate in what makes news, not just have it lectured to us by this aristocratic elite. That's right. Agreed. Dr. Steve Turley, always great to have you on. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, it's my pleasure. Love you guys. Love Thank you as well. God bless. God bless you too, man. This is the Patriot, the Preacher, and we'll be right back. One. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. We have a really special guest joining us, and it's on a subject that um, is all near and dear to our hearts as conservative Christians. Danielle D'Souza Gill, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's great to have you on. So, Danielle, tell us about this book, The Choice, The Abortion Divide in America. Um, this is during a time where we're always talking about this issue, but it seems to be so much more important as some of the country is looking at the results, the projected results of the election. So, Danielle, what made you want to write this book? I think just honestly seeing the radicalization of the Democrats on this issue, seeing them go from the safe, legal, and rare rhetoric to now celebrating abortion, now acting like abortion is a positive good. Um, I think when I moved to New York and just kind of seeing Governor Cuomo light up the Freedom Tower pink to celebrate abortion at nine months for no medical reason, to hear Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia talk about you know, keeping a baby comfortable after it's born, a discussion then ensuing to its fate after that, just hearing all of this and not even seeing Democrats asking him to resign, not asking him to uh, really be held accountable for these radical views. And just to see so many of them also support these radical views, um, I think just led me to say that, you know, we can't just have the pro-life cause be in kind of a segregated camp. We have to have early everyone on board with this who cares about life, whether that's in the womb or outside the womb. Yes. Yes. That's a great, great answer, Danielle. And I've been fighting for many years for life as a pastor. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm troubled to see even some in the Christian community that are diminishing life now when it's such a critical and, and crucial spiritual issue. And um, there's so many layers to that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is some of these movies that have come out and some of the education, it's helped open some people's eyes. What do you see when you're out there and you're, and you're explaining the importance of standing for life? What is something that you see that's positive in opening people's eyes? I think something positive is just seeing that a lot of young people view this as a human rights issue and view this as how, you know, we are supposed to be compassionate to more people. We're supposed to sort of do the right thing and all of this. And when we look at these human beings who are having their lives taken from them with really absolutely no accountability, there's oftentimes no reason for these children to have their lives lost. They're not given health care. They could easily be put up for adoption and so on. But um, I think a lot of young people even view this discrimination against babies with Down syndrome as something that's really quite horrific, considering the fact that it's a clear discrimination, even in cases of race or gender, where a child is aborted purely because um, they maybe wanted a different gender. They found out it was a boy or girl, they wanted a different one, and then chose to get an abortion and so on. I think most young people, if they heard this, would, found that, would find this uh, very horrible. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Absolutely. Danielle? In this book, you point out some myths that we always hear the left put out. And so one of them you brought up when we, when we first started talking, which was their economic gain if they abort the baby. But this is one that I think that a lot of people have talked about that it's starting to, you're starting to hear more and more that men do not belong in the abortion debate. Right. I think that's something the left loves to say, but they really only mean men who are pro-life. Of course, if you're pro-choice, then they're totally in favor of that. But I think that that's really just kind of part of their old rhetoric of acting like the pro-life side is only full of men who want to control women's bodies and their side is full of all these women, when in reality, there are 
quite a lot of pro-life women. And unfortunately, there are some pro-choice men out there because they benefit from abortion and benefit from kind of treating women like sex objects, not having to deal with the personal responsibility aspect and then give this woman a couple hundred bucks, she gets an abortion, he doesn't have to deal with it again, but then she has to deal with a lot of the emotional issues of that, obviously going through that surgical procedure, which is the most common procedure. So I actually think that the um, the, the patriarchy is really on the side of abortion. If we're talking about what is best for women and what's best for them to kind of be treated with dignity, I think it would be to have a position of life and have a position where both men and women have um, some accountability there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times people bring up those two questions. Well, what about in the case of rape and incest? And I know that it's like less than 1%, but can you tell the audience, you know, uh, the distinguish between that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are definitely quite rare, but I think the left likes to go there because it, you know, is, of course, a very horrible situation. We would all agree on that. Um, And I think even if we look at those situations, we see that, unfortunately, the left argues for the death penalty for the child and not the death penalty for the rapist. They oftentimes want much uh, lighter sentences on murderers and rapists. Um, But when it comes to the child, they think that this child deserves to die when in reality, this child had absolutely nothing to do with that action. This child was not taking part in that. And um, even if we look at, I think what would be best would be maybe a closed adoption. If the woman doesn't um, want to kind of see the child and finds that to be too painful, I would say a closed adoption that's completely anonymous where there's no connection between the mother and the child where that child can then be raised by people who don't view it in light of that context, who see it as just a child to be cherished throughout its entire life. Um, I think that would be best. And then the woman can continue to um, move on from healing from that instance as she would, even if the child, um, you know, there was a child or not, regardless, she went through something horrible. So there has to be a healing process there. But I think that the way to prevent this is to really prevent it from occurring in the first place by keeping rapists off the street and really making sure that we do have these harsh penalties for them because um, it's such a horrific crime. But you also mentioned, um, did, did you ask about life of the mother? No, but please talk about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess quickly on incest, I would just put that in the same oh, case yes, of, of rape if that is an underage person because obviously they cannot give consent and so that would yeah. be rape. But um, if you're two consenting adults that are engaging in incest, I mean, that's illegal. So I would probably recommend that you don't do that. But when it comes to the uh, life of the mother question, I think that this is definitely more complicated than the left really likes to make it out. I actually found it um, just so crazy, even thinking back to 2016 when um, Trump was debating Hillary Clinton and they were asked about what about partial birth abortion? What about the nine month point? Um, Trump said that this is ripping the baby out of the womb. This is not okay. And then Hillary Clinton went on to say that um, it's really unfortunate. He was using this harsh rhetoric and it was so unfortunate that, you know, um, the government would get involved with between a woman and her doctor and so on. But if you actually look at a situation like that, there's never a reason to directly kill that child through an abortion, which would be poisoning um, its brain and heart, inserting it with a poison so that they die and then dismembering it and removing it. If there is some kind of health complication for the mother at that point, um, regardless, you have to deliver a child, whether that child is dead or alive. So um, I would say that you should deliver the child. And then if there's health care that has to be administered to the child, then you should do that as well as for the mother, for the for both of them to strive for life. And if they say, well, the child has complications, all these issues, well, you should give it the health care that it needs. And if it does not make it through that process, then that's a different story. But to directly kill the child is completely different. And then to remove a dead child after purposefully killing it um, is completely different. And there's never a medical need to do that. Early delivery, uh, yes, but not to directly kill it through an abortion. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Danielle, as you were preparing to write this book and and address these myths. So what's the what's the one that they they stake their entire case on? I would say my body, my choice. That's mm-hmm. probably the most popular one that I hear the most from them. Um, but I think that's just because it sounds the best, and it's it sounds it nice rhymes because- right because it rhymes, <laughs> and they like to rhyme things right. It makes it easier to remember for them. So when you hear that, my body, my choice. Because I have a response to that. I know Todd does. What's your response to that um, as being a warrior for this cause and writing this book? 
Yeah, my response would just be to say that we are talking about two bodies. There's the mother's body and the child's body, and the child um, is the body that you are saying that you want to harm. And I think when it comes to choice, I would ask the choice to do what, and that is the choice to kill in this instance. So, of course, we should have many choices in life and be able to um, decide a lot of other things. Of course, we have limits on those things. And I think that when it comes to taking the life of another person, that should be the limit, especially when it comes to the government stopping something like that, like killing. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, of course, we have to do all these other things like follow traffic laws. We can't litter, all this other stuff. So we don't have completely free reign to do whatever we want in this world, but we definitely should not be able to take other people's lives. So um, I think when they say my body, my choice, they're definitely conflating terms about whose body they're referring to. And they don't want you to actually think about what choice it is that they're advocating for. Yeah, absolutely. They're always pushing farther and farther. You know, today now Nancy Pelosi is almost like more moderate considering some of the leftists that have now pushed the needle even far lefter. And so it's the same with life is, is that, you know, now they're pushing infanticide. You know, what's the next step? They'll probably want to, you know, kill off older people at, you know, when they're in their 70s or whatnot. I mean, it just doesn't stop. And so that's why we have to stand for life in general. And it's biblical. It's something that we need to do. And Danielle, you are anointed for this. I just want to say thank you. I'm very, very excited to hear you speak and what God is. He's really placed a mantle and anointing on you for this. I know he's going to use that even more and more, you know. Wow. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that and what you guys are doing and getting this message out there. It's so important. Yeah, no, it's huge. I mean, you you are, we need more Danielle D'Souza out there. I'll tell you, God's giving you the <laughs> intellect, the ability to speak and articulate, and uh, it's really an amazing thing. And so we're going to, we're going to be following what you're doing out there in any way that we can support you. Please let, you, let me, let us know. I mean, this is one of the most important things to me as a pastor. Agreed. Well, thank Agreed. you so much. And I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Danielle. We really appreciate it. This is the Patriot and the Preacher, and we'll be right back. Two, one. Welcome back to the Patriot and the Preacher. We really want to thank our guest. Steve Turley brought a lot of clarity to what's going on. If anybody ever wondered what all the different options are, Steve laid them out. So thank you, Steve. Yeah, he did a great job. He's very articulate, very smart guy. That's why uh, we can tell his following is just blowing up. And part of it is what we've been talking about, Mark, is because people are running from the mainstream media to shows like this and his. That's right. So keep coming. We want to bring the truth to you. And that's why we have guests like Steve on, because um, with everything that, you know, I'll tell you what, Todd, even when you know the truth, if you switch on CNN or MSNBC or Fox, you know, they're saying things like in the waning days of the Trump presidency and, you know, all of these just, you know, they're very manipulative. They've, like we said earlier in the show, they've been, you know, they've been abusing the American people and really our psyches and our minds for a long time, especially this year. If I mean, especially this year with everything that's occurred, right? Oh my gosh, they've lied so much, Mark. And I know. it's like, you know, like I said, I, I can't attribute to anything else other than a relationship because when you're yeah. in an abusive relationship, somebody's lying to you all the time and you want to believe them, you want to believe them. And finally, you're like, I can't believe anything you say. They've lost their credibility. I mean, we went through so many different things this this last year with Russian collusion, even with their bad reporting on the coronavirus. I mean, you know, now they're going back to that. It's like their safety blanket, you know, now that right. the, 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 the Trump and the Patriots are kind of taking back the narrative and so many people don't believe the legitimacy in this in this you know process that we're seeing because of all the fraud it's coming out and they can't contain it mark that's right it's company it's hard to take somebody seriously or a group seriously that's following a train of logic that doesn't bear out right so when you hear you know when i'm that the post out there about you know your time is coming and the president is done first of all guys for the ones that are being triggered by hearing this, he's still your president. That's he's right. your president. He's your, first of all, your he's your president until January 20th, 2021, no matter what. And yeah. second with anybody with any kind of good conscience would be saying right now, just in, just in what we've seen so far come out and then wanting the best for this country. I, that's where I lose respect for anybody that is really starting it continuing to toe the line that Joe Biden is actually really the president elect of the United States when he's not. And that his, you know, 
we haven't brought this up, Todd, but it, to be honest, I'm very disturbed that he, he's in touch with world leaders yeah, right now. The Logan uh, Act, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. you know, isn't that what they got mad at President Trump for, right? I mean, right. No, they went after General Flynn for something yeah. that he never actually did because yeah. when you're, see, here's the, herein lies the difference. When you're actually a real incoming That's administration, right. you do that. That's right. right. They were they were confirmed. That was the whole difference, you know. So right. and, and that was a normal transition. But this isn't yet because it hasn't been confirmed yet. So uh, that's what people have to understand. So it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all a psychological warfare operation. And uh, I just want to throw this out there, Mark. And this I don't want to get conspiratorial, but we have a little bit of time. I right? just want to throw this out there. You know, President Trump's been talking a lot about putting the vaccine, you know, for, in the military's hands. You know, the military is going to distribute the vaccine. The military is going to distribute the vaccine. Wasn't well, it interesting that the military is going to be strategically placed right around the time when there could be some civil unrest because of Trump getting announced as the president? Think about that. Right. Interesting stuff, right? I'm not saying Very interesting. this is just a Todd thing. This is not any type of new. I don't have source. I'm just thinking in my head, interesting that the military is strategically positioned in these cities to distribute the vaccine right around the time that President Trump would need to quell the riots. Right. Isn't that special? Does he know something? I don't know. Oh, I think he knows a lot more than we've already seen <laughs> on this Twitter feed so far. You know how he likes to let things be on a slow drip. <laughs> um, but I think at this point, the you know, if you want to use that analogy, the fire hose must be turned on at this point because time is running out. And it's really, to be honest, you know, um, I know that most of us know who Jenna Ellis is. She's on the president's legal team. And she really made a good point. This is really not, and this is, you know, this is an American idol and we're not naming the next American idol under, so we don't have this impending deadline um, with public opinion waiting to hear. We actually have to follow the constitution as Steve laid out and the way that it goes. And really that's why I wanted to kind of bring this to the perspective of the founders. Even back then, our founders had had the foresight because they were yeah. guided by God to put these safety measures in place That's just right. in case, just in case we ever had something to this scale happen. Yeah. And so, you know, you may think that, you know, when you look at the beauty of our constitution, it is happening right now. It's being followed as we speak. Because if we were a banana republic or any other nation, Joe Biden would walk into the White That's House. Right. That's right. Um, so I think we have to, you know, just take a moment to be so very grateful that those men follow God's, God's guidance and his protection in everything that they wrote. And I can tell you, Todd, you know this, they painstakingly put each word in its place on purpose. Nothing is there without being debated. And they That's did right. that on purpose. So there was no question as to what they meant. So thank God that they made sure that the states were overseeing their response to the federal election. Those state legislators there are there, right? Thank oh, God man. they picked the electors. Thank God the Supreme Court has the final say. And that, as Steve pointed out, this comes to Congress if, if need be to right. be voted on. Right. And, you know, that's what makes us the greatest nation on earth. Yes. Is that thank God that constitution still is just as brilliant as the day they wrote it. That's right. We can no. see right now, right, Todd? I mean, that's why we're the envy of the world. That's why people are yeah. still trying to fight to get here. Is that yeah. that's why the communists are trying to take away the constitution. They're trying to, you know, rewrite it. Uh, you know, look what communist China has done just in this time where they think there could be a possibility yes. of a Biden administration. They're already changing you know, a bunch of people that were, you know, uh, freedom-loving people in Hong Kong are getting evicted from their positions of power and they're being replaced by communist Chinese people. So they, they're, they're pushing forward the one China policy, which we knew would happen. And uh, right. that's just the beginning, Mark. I mean, they have their eyes set on Taiwan. You know, Biden is going to be like in their pocket. God forbid he were to their get in. Mouth is, the, the Chinese mouths are watering right now. I agree. They are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to give that to everybody's encouragement and that, uh, you know, I say this quote every once in a while, but it is very appropriate now. And this is George Washington. My favorite quote from George Washington is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly implore his protection and favor. That's right. Todd, Powerful. let's close this out with a yeah, prayer for you know, our nation and everything thing, that's going on. 
we mentioned this in the beginning. God has given great power and authority to the church. You can look at Acts chapter 2 and see what happened there. Mm-hmm. God has given great power and authority. He said we're going to do even bigger things in our ministry than what he did while he was here in the flesh, fully God and fully man. And so this is one of those times where the faith of a mustard seed is going to move a mountain. We have to pray. I believe we have to fast because some things only through prayer and fasting. And we've got to get on our faces before God, repent of any sin that we have in our life, turn from our wickedness as a nation, as a church. And I believe God's going to give us more time. Why? For Israel, for life, for all the different things that we're fighting for. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, every single day there is something that's happening. And some days it's bad and some days it's good. But we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are moving on our behalf behind the scenes. And Lord God, we're asking for more time, for mercy, and for grace in the United States of America. Lord God, that the people would have an amazing miracle where we'd be able to see Donald Trump reelected for another four more years. We know that, you know, it's inevitable that eventually there'll be a tribulation and there'll be all kinds of things that you talked about in your word, but we're asking for a stay. We're asking for a continuation on the reprieve. And there's so many ramifications to that, Lord God. And so we thank you, Lord God, that you hear the prayers of the saints where you say we're two or more gathered in your name, Lord God. We are praying and petitioning you as the God of heaven and earth. We thank you for hearing our prayers, Lord God, and we stand in faith knowing that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Todd. Patriots, thank thank you for joining us. Keep praying. Don't stop praying because next week when we come back, we're going to have a lot to talk about, no doubt. Right, Todd? Oh, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen this next week, but we're praying. That's what we know, right? That's what we know. Keep watching. Keep looking for information. And until then, I'm Mark Anthony, your Patriot. Hey, this is Todd Copenhagen, the preacher. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in.